This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. Hi, welcome to EM Weekly. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe. Today we're going to be talking to Dr. Paul Stoltz, who is considered the world's leading authority in integration and application of grit and resilience. He's the premier expert on the science of mindset. He's an international bestseller and a keynote speaker. Dr. Stoltz has been on ABC, CBS, NBC, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, you name it, he's been there. He's also a guest lecturer at MIT and at Stanford University. And he's a part of the Distinguished Lecture Series with the Millennial Thinker for Singapore. He's been called the Thought Leader of the Year in Hong Kong and is a top-rated international faculty member for the Young President's Organization. So it's happy to have Dr. Stoltz here. And on to our interview after a short commercial break. Emergencies happen, whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather-related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Are you ready for the unthinkable? Call our friends at High Speed TACMED. They provide custom emergency planning and training that saves lives. With years of experience in law enforcement, search and rescue, responding to and managing large-scale incidents, HSTM will evaluate and prepare written plans, training sessions, drills, and debriefs, leaving you with the necessary tools and experience that can save lives. Call HSTM today to discuss your specific needs, and the staff of High Speed TACMED will help ensure that you're ready and are in complete compliance. Call High Speed TACMED today, 805-419-0024. Again, that's 805-419-0024. The friendly staff at HSTM is standing by. How did you get into your line of work? This is kind of fascinating to me. You know, short version of this, you know, ever since I was a really young kid, I've just been really fascinated about the difference between the people who keep the lights on and those who seem to dim prematurely. And I always wanted to understand sort of what, what's underneath all that and what really fuels all that. And that fascination, I guess, led me to my research, which really started in my undergrad days and sort of evolved into sort of this never-ending quest to excavate down to the bedrock of human endeavor and try to really understand, you know, what's the sort of deepest, most solid foundation we can discover about what really underlies everything we attempt to do in life and our chances of success in making that happen. So, you know, that's, that's just always been an obsession of mine and something I just wake up caring about with, you know, burning passion every day. That's great. You know, um, when I was reading through the book Grit, you know, I, I, it was really kind of hit home about 
how we do things and, and the people that kind of get into this business of emergency managers and first responders and the, and the military, the people who I've always been aligned with in my life. And, and I can see how yeah. um, a lot of this is, applies to it. And I know in some cases, um, you know, those of us that are in this business forget that we, we are that person who does keep the lights on and for sometimes for millions of people. So with grit, so true. <laughs> how, how can emergency managers or first responders apply the lessons that you have, not just in your book, Grit, but also in your, in your, on your website and, and the other work that you're doing? Yeah, you know, I just got to say, you know, the people who take on that responsibility are just my absolute heroes. I mean, you think about, you know, one of my premises is if you want to gauge the importance of anything, remove it. So if you want to gauge the importance of emergency responders, remove them and look at the world of mess that we'd be in without them. Mm. So for people going to that line of work, it says a lot. But, you know, there's a difference between intention, um, effectiveness, and uh, the long-term toll it takes. So what I'm really concerned about and care about, I should say, about the people who might be listening to this is, first of all, how do you optimize the way you respond so that you can bring the optimal response to the people you're serving? And then number two, how do we fortify you, your robustness, so that rather than it taking a toll on you over time, physically, mentally, emotionally, over time, have it be something that really just sort of hones and strengthens you as a human being so that you're kind of what I call weird in a good way so that, you know, doing the toughest work, off, which is often the most thankless job, which is often the most demanding thing, Having that be something that, in a sort of almost at a cellular level, uh, you really can thrive upon. When most people, as we know, who are dealing with people who are on the front lines of a desperate need for care and help, um, often get beaten up and beaten up pretty badly. So that's what right. I care about. Um, so going to to your question about like, so really, what can we do? You know, there's a couple things that come to mind. You know, one is a, a big piece of my work that was the pioneering piece we did is we realized, you know what, and this speaks right to the heart of what you guys are all about. And I think probably why we're, we're having this conversation is that at the heart of it all is how people, what, what happens to a human being when they confront adversity? Mm-hmm. And you guys are on the front lines of adversity every day. I mean, you're the ones who are going into the storm and dealing with some of the gnarliest, ugliest, toughest, scariest stuff out there. And so if you're going to be that human being that turns into the storm, you want to bring your optimal response. And what I discovered is, hey, guess what? You know, a person's AQ, their hardwired pattern of how they respond to adversity, dramatically outpaces your IQ in terms of how well you do in the world. So there's four core. I mean, let's get super practical, right? And there mm-hmm. are four. Here's what the science says. And, you know, we've had a chance to vet and test this over the past 30 years with more than a million people in all different walks of life in almost every country on the planet. And there's four core dimensions of how you respond to adversity. And this has two sides for you guys. You know, one is yourself, first and foremost, and then second of all, how you help others do this. So core stands for control, ownership, reach, and endurance. Control is when the stuff hits the fan, what facets of the situation can you potentially influence? 
your perceived ability to influence whatever happens next. So what's interesting is people with high AQs, honestly, they can't even imagine something you can't influence, even if it's just the ability of that person to take the next breath, you know? Mm. And then people who score lower on AQ tend to feel a bit of learned helplessness, like especially in the face of crisis or disaster. They feel like, you know, it's out of my control. I hope someone figures out something. And that helplessness can be crushing. So even in the most overwhelming circumstances, so take something really radical, like a massive terrorist attack or multi-point attack or all the worst case scenarios that many emergency responders are training for today. If that really happened, the nanosecond of the response inside of you and the immediate, you know, ever strengthening instinct to just focus on the facets of the situation, you, whatever they are that you can potentially influence right now is the difference between life and death. The second part, ownership, is about how you step up, the likelihood like to actually step up and do anything to improve the situation no matter, honestly, how bad it is or whose job it may formally be to do that. People who score lower on this, they tend to sort of step back. They become almost like I joke about government bureaucrats because they sort of go, well, you know, that's not in my job classification, but, you know, you're welcome to contact the people. Well, people are dying, okay? I mean, if you're in a crisis situation or in a true emergency response, Regardless of your role, regardless of your formal or informal authority or power, how do you step up to gain the most immediate positive impact on the situation to the benefit of the most people possible? That's the ownership. So control and ownership, as you can see, I mean, just those two, just few action and energy and, and proactivity and, and a positive power into the world. And they also create followers because people notice this. I mean, I'm talking nanoseconds here. If your emergency response in any, any facet of it, any facet of it, you're so trained to be able to handle tough situations and handle them quickly. We're talking about that next level where you are the one who go, is able to do it quicker and better, ever quicker, ever better than the people around you. Then we have reach and endure. Reach is really powerful because it's about when adversity strikes. How far do you perceive it's going to reach into and affect everything else? People with lower AQs tend to perceive it as reaching into and affecting everything else. So, you know, there were people like when 9-11 hit who thought it was the end of the world. There were people who you know, with global warming, think, you know, the world's ending. There are people who have one bad thing happen, and there goes their whole day. There are people who, you know, kid calls in sick on the way in to do your shift, and and people, on the, and they're shorthanded, and, you know, and things are messed up, and technology's not working, and everything else, who just feel like their world's spiraling out of control. People, the thing to focus on is, Two things. One is what can you do, no matter how bad it is, to immediately to minimize the potential downside. And this one sounds really weird, but how do you maximize the potential upside? In other words, 
in the worst imaginable circumstances, what can you do to generate more hope, to generate more health, to generate more healing, to generate more possibility, to generate a better response and outcome? Right now, when most people think it's only going down, how do you create an up? And right. that's an incredibly game-changing question and response piece to be asking. So control, ownership, reach. And then endurance is one we can affect so much because it's a question of how long when it hits, how long do you perceive it's going to last or endure? And, you know, if you're emergency response and you feel like your shift's going to last forever, you're never going to get home, and you're never going to get some rest, or this mess is going to take forever to get through, or you just see this sort of downward spiral and how things are going. And it may be your leadership. It may be, you know, any number of things that are just making it hard for you. Being able to see and get past the adversity better and faster than everyone else is just an incredibly powerful thing to do. And that's what emergency response is. I mean, this is the core of emergency response, which is an emergency management, which is how do you focus on what you can influence, step up and get, do whatever you can as quickly as possible, minimize the downside, maximize the upside, and get past this whole thing as quickly as possible. That is the core response that determines the effectiveness of emergency management and emergency response. I mean, that is the DNA of adversity response, not just according to the science we've vetted and proven over these years, but to the real time, in the moment, boots on the ground, make it happen now, stuff that we're training people to do and that is more important than ever. That's great. You know, it's funny you say that because um, I know some people who uh, do emergencies and disasters um, really well. But they their their daily function is sometimes a little bit more uh, you know harder for them to to do you know the the mundane stuff they just can't handle. It's kind of funny that you say that. That's kind of in our DNA, and I and I can understand that completely. Well, you know, you hit a great one, Todd. Because here's what we found. You know, this validates what you're saying, which is there are a lot of people who are adversity junkies, and they become kind of adrenaline junkies. And they, you know, if something bad happens, they are on fire. And, and at their best. It, it is the, the monkey day-to-day, more mundane that just saps them. And so the same stuff, the same core response applies to the little and the big, you know? Mm-hmm. And the other part of this, so, you know, there's two parts, which is the second thing I said I wanted to kind of talk to you about is there's a thing in the world of material science that emergency management people run into all the time which is called robustness. And this comes from our world of grit. And robustness is, you know, how well do you stand up to the unexpected? Or also, what's the wear and tear factor over time? And, you know, in emergency management, emergency response, I think of it kind of like sandpaper. Because most people you meet are kind of like cheap sandpaper. You know, you go to Home Depot, man, and you, you, you go up and go, I'm going to buy some sandpaper with some serious grit. Well, as soon as you start to put that grit to use, guess what? It, it starts to wear thin. It starts to wear down. And oh, pretty soon, you don't have so much grit. Mm. Same thing applies here. You know, the story I always tell, and I think I told it to your group, God, a while back, was there was a guy, this sort of artisan, craftsman, woodworker guy, 
who was doing some work on our house, and I, I, I wanted to see his shop. I wanted to see, like, what's this guy all about? So I went to his shop, and I said, so show me, like, you know, how this all works and what you do and what, you, what you're passionate about. And he reaches inside this hand-carved box that he had obviously done that was amazing, that alone. And they lift the lid, and he pulls out this scroll of weird-looking paper, and he starts to unfurl it. And I said, what's that? He goes, in this very reverential tone, he goes, that's my sandpaper. I said, wow, well, why do you keep it in there? And he said, he goes, Paul, I don't know if you know this, but there's a kind of sandpaper that if you use it right, gets better over time, gets better with use. And I thought, wow, that's it. Because when you think about, you know, being in the world of man emergency management, emergency response, you're feasting on adversity every day. That's your day job. And so the question is, you may enter with a lot of grit and you may even enter a new shift with a lot of grit. You may enter a new week with a lot of grit. But what happens over the course of a day, of the week, of the month, over the years of doing it? Think of the burnout that we see in this field. That's so tragic because with that burnout, we lose effectiveness. And with that burnout, we lose wisdom and, and, and experience that can be the difference between life and death. We lose, you know, something really precious, first inside ourselves, but of course for the collective good, which is what you sign up for when mm -hmm. you do this line of work. So being more robust um, and thinking about ways to do that is really, really important. And, you know, we can talk about that, but I think that point about what it does to you is big. And the other part of that point, Todd, which you nailed is the why. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in healthcare, doesn't matter if you're in emergency response. It doesn't matter, you know, what field. If you're dealing with human beings on the front line, and it's mucky and bureaucratic and filled with idiots sometimes <laughs> and incompetence and and all this kind of stuff that can just make you crazy, you have to go back to the why, because I'm guessing every single person who's listening to this is is would answer the question if I said, why did you go into besides just making a paycheck and having a job? You're going into it because in some reason you care about making a difference in people's lives. And you probably love it in a way because you can see so materially and immediately the kind of difference you can make in people's lives. But the problem is idiots and stuff and muck gets in the way and that why can then and, and you're going in for another shift and you can kind of forget the raw power of why you went into this in the first place. And it's like I always say, Todd, you know, without the why, you lose the try. Right, and right, right. That would be, that, that would be tragic. So those things, the why, the robustness and the core response, I think are the very DNA of what makes one great versus hate what you do. Yeah, you know, you're you're right about the burnout, and it's it's kind of interesting because um, I, have, I have some really good friends that are near the end of our careers, both we're the older guys, you know, and uh, it it does sometimes get <laughs> a little bit harder to, uh, you know, get up in the morning and throw the uniform on and 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 do what you have to do because you're right, the why sometimes is it goes away, especially with like some of the guys in law enforcement today that see this anti-law enforcement uh, trend happening. At least they feel like it's that way, and. And uh, sometimes that why does get uh, 
get hard. And then you get that one call, the one time that you get out there and then, and you see the, the great humanity again. And it, it, and it says, okay, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. I am here to make a difference. And, and you're right. I think that's why a lot of guys and gals uh, get into this, uh, into this business. So I, I took you know, the you great... nailed it, Todd. The one thing, just a quick thought on that is that you sparked, which is, you know, here's the difference between the best and the rest. The best, you know, the, the best are the ones who find a way to help people and do their job in spite of all the people and all the things that conspire against them. And by the way, that may be the person they're trying to help. I mean, yeah. everyone who's any kind of, you know, and that's what I mean about law enforcement. It's like, I'm going to make you safer in spite of yourself. I'm going to help you in spite of you. I'm going to, I'm going to make this world a better place in spite of all the idiots and, and, and short-sightedness that is pervading the airspace out there and the lack of appreciation and, and understanding for who we are and what we do. I'm going to show up. And I'm going to do this noble work in spite of all that. Yeah, that's not true. I, I'll tell you a quick story, personal story. We had this guy that was a, uh, he was an older gentleman, uh, homeless, or at least he, he liked to be on the streets a lot. And every time we would go, uh, when this was when I was working as a paramedic, and we'd drive with our lights and sirens past him, he'd get mad at us and flip us off and yell at us. And, you know, one time he even threw a rock at us and, you know, whatever. We just let it go. And then uh, it was few weeks later or whatever, uh, we ended up running on him um, and he had us have a heat stroke. And, you know, of course, we went in there and we treated him just like he would if he was, um, you know, never that way to us. And uh, it's, it's you know, it's kind of ironic. That was like we get there, we go, oh, it's him. This is ironic. Now we got to treat this guy who always, you know, hates us, you know. So, but we do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and they could be cursing at you while you're helping them. Yeah, I've had that happen a few times. I'll tell you another quick story. I, we had this guy who was a heroin user, overdosed. Um, we pushed the Narcan on him to reverse the effects of the heroin. And then he, he got mad at us because uh, we ruined his high. And we saved his life. The, the guy was going into respiratory just arrest. You know, we saved his life and he got mad at us for ruining his high. So that's grateful for you. But, uh, yeah. So Amazing, I, isn't it? Well, it, it is. So I took your grit score, your grit gauge, um, and yeah. I. I got these numbers. I don't know what they, I kind of know what they mean by, by what it tells me, but I got a 338 overall. Nice. My ice, my, my R score was a 55 and then my quality is a 94. Now I know it's kind of funny because wow. I focus, I focus on that R score because according to your thing, it's a little bit below average. How do I improve that? How can I improve my, or my R score? Well, you know, grit is growth, resilience, instinct, and tenacity, G-R-I-T. And, you know, you, the quality of grit that you show that number is high. And the reason that matters so much before we lose that point is, you know, you're talking about the difference between good grit and bad grit, which is the effect you have on the people around you as you do your, go around doing what you do and go after your goals. And, you know, yours is strong and high. And, and the other thing is smart grit and dumb grit. I mean, think about how many people you meet, especially in the line of work we're talking about here, that demonstrate dumb grit. They got a lot of grit. It's just not terribly smart in terms of going after it in ways that work. So, you know, hats off to you for that score. The resilience score that you have, you know, you, we kind of nailed it. It almost circles directly back to the core because resilience is based on the core response, control, ownership, reach, and endurance. 
what sometimes happens when someone has a below average score like this, it might be in the case to you is you might have really strong or one could have really strong uh, sort of control and ownership, but they, they feel like things are bigger and last longer than they, you know, they like or than they need to. And that can weigh so heavily on you that can bring your score down, you know, unintentionally, but also uh, with some consequence. So I would say just go back to, you know, immediately focusing on the things you can influence, how you step up, how do you minimize the downside? And here's the secret one, grow that upside and get past whatever adversity it is as quickly as possible. You do that with kind of everything in life. And it has this incredibly energizing and resilience-building effect. That is the DNA of resilience. That's good stuff, man. I, I really, I do. And in your book, I, I've read it. Uh, I read it straight through, and then I keep going back and looking at different uh, different parts of it. And I, I just really enjoy the story um, of uh, KK that's that's in here. And he's really an inspiring guy. Um, how did you meet KK exactly? Yeah, you know, I met him through, he, uh, KK, you know, is an amazing guy. He was obviously an Iranian refugee. He uh, was raised in a dirt poor family in a ghetto of Iran as immigrants. And they were detested by their neighbors because they were different. And he lived in constant danger, literally had stuffed newspapers in his shoes to walk through the snow miles to school and he would have to fight, literally fight, fight, to just be able to take a loaf of bread home to his family for dinner because if they didn't eat that, they didn't have dinner. And he grew up in a very scrappy way. When he came to the U.S. with $300 in his pocket, no English language and no visa and uh, nothing, nothing to look forward to, and kind of built this global empire since then. And today, at 77 years old, is the most fit human being I've ever seen. Um, he is more ripped, more fit than probably anyone listening to this, no matter how amazing they may be. He's breathtaking. He does mixed martial arts three hours a day with Chuck Liddell, who was the world champion. And he can, you know, squat 1,200 pounds. I mean, the guy's just phenomenal, right? And, and so the way I met him is he, he loves to give back. And he thought, you know, I live in this college town in San Luis Obispo where there's Cal Poly, and I want to do an event. I want to help young people see their possibilities. And he, when he was a young kid who was on a wrestling team and had nothing, he was invited to tour Hearst Castle, which is this amazing castle from William Randolph Hearst out here on the Central Coast. It's unbelievable. You can't even believe that it exists. He saw it, and he said, someday KK will have castle. So he did it. He, it took him 10 years, but he built a castle up the road from Hearst Castle. That's his castle on the coast. And he invited all these students to come. And he reached out to me. He heard who I was and what I do. And he wanted my help in really reaching these students and impacting their lives. So that's how we met. And uh, he's just that kind of guy. He's, you know what he does? He drives through the toughest, 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 toughest neighborhoods and hidden dark pockets of cities around the world, places no human being should go and where a lot of emergency response people probably are forced to go. <laughs> and he just goes there to find the most down and out broken people and he picks them up and he helps them. 
He doesn't just give them money. He'll like drive them to a hotel, get them showered and cleaned up, feed them a meal, help give them some hope, and just get them started. It doesn't matter if they're prostitutes, drug users, criminals, homeless, whatever it might be. He just does that silently without telling anyone and misses his airplane flights in various cities around the world all the time because he has to do it. He just he can't not do it. Sounds like my kind of guy, you know? Yeah, uh, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, I, I just, he, he inspires me. And he kind of, you know, one aspect, kind of a shameful kind of way. I'm like, I, I did read in the book about how in shape he was and how much he works out. And I go, man, if this guy can do it, how come I'm not out there doing it, you know? But it's a good thing. It's a good motivation, you know? It is. And, you know, he, he's done a lot of work with people in your field because they so respect him. They just see that fire in his eye and the strength with which he carries himself and his determination. And, you know, he's the kind of guy you would follow to the ends of the earth. I and mean, if, if the stuff is a fan, I mean, KK is one of those guys you turn to and go, okay, I, I know you're going to figure out a way to make this okay. That's awesome. Yeah, I really, I mean, I, the reason why I asked the question about KK is because if anybody and I highly recommend reading this book, by the way, everybody out there. But if anybody doesn't read the book just for the, the sake of grit of, of what you think it might be, you need to hear this guy's story because it's amazing. It is definitely amazing. So, okay, I have I have a couple of last questions for you, sir. And uh, yeah. the, 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 this is the tough one, but I, I know that you're going to have a good answer because uh, you did recommend a book when we had our, our conference uh, that I went to. Can you name two books that you think somebody in emergency management or emergency response should read? Mm, boy, that's a great one. Um, what would I say? Emergency management, emergency response. I think, I think that reading the uh, – there's a new book out called No Barriers, which is uh, written by a friend of mine who is the blind guy who climbed Mount Everest and the seven summits of the world. He also – solo kayak the Grand Canyon. He's 100% blind. He's the world's leading blind athlete. And the reason that's such a good book is because it kind of lays out this no barriers mindset that I, I work with him on. And, and it's, he works with a lot of wounded warriors, a lot of people, you know, in, in service and different facets of life. And it's such a powerful book. And he's such, a, he's just a real deal. So I think that's one for sure that I would pick. You know, the other one that I, th I think is useful is there's a book, you know, I, I hate to recommend my own stuff, but I there was a book we wrote together a while back, about 10 years ago, called The Adversity Advantage. And it talks about some of the specifics of what we've introduced a little bit on this conversation, but puts it in a really practical context and, and application. And the reason I mention that is we've had a lot of people in emergency management, emergency response, even, you know, healthcare and other things, uh, pick it up in, in, in the services, uh, obviously in the armed services and everything else. So that, those two, I think would be really applicable to your world and hopefully stirring and moving and motivating and inspiring as well. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. I mean, tell me about, I mean, you, you have some really good books out there and I've, I've, I've only read one so far, and maybe, and I'm definitely going to pick up the advantage now that you, that you talk about adversity advantage. Um, it's funny. I heard an interview with um, I forget his name, the gentleman with no barriers. Uh, I heard I heard an interview with him just the other day on NPR, and uh, that was definitely one. Oh of yeah, the that's right, Eric Eric Weinmayer. Yep. Yeah, yeah his name awesome. is Eric Weinmayer, and yeah, and he would have been on NPR the other day. You're right. He 
Mickey and I did the Today Show together and a bunch of the big shows. We've done a lot of work around the world. I just gotta tell you, the guy's just 100% the real deal. I mean, they, I don't know, I don't know anyone mentally tougher than that. He was telling the story about how he got stuck in uh, in, in Eddie, and uh, it was the first time he was kayaking, and uh, uh, just kind of how he got out of it. That was, he said that was before he even knew what was going on down the down the down the river before they started using the radios to to communicate. So that's uh, kind of a funny story. Um, last last question for you. This is this is all about you, sir. Why don't you go ahead and tell us how do we get in touch with you? If somebody wants to, you know, go to your your website, go to your get your books, um, you know, just kind of if somebody out there who's uh, wants to have you come be a guest speaker, how how do we get a hold of you? You know, super easy. Our, I'm we're peak learning p e a k peaklearning.com. You can go there. There's an info at peaklearning.com, which is a super easy way to just bust to get right through me. They always send me everything. And uh, Twitter handles uh, Dr. Grit. And, uh, you know, we're out there on, on all the social media and all that kind of stuff. So uh, really, just reach out that way. And, you know, I, I anybody who sends me a message, I guarantee you, I promise I will respond just like you do every day. Awesome. So thank you so much for being here today, sir. Um, it was always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing you again. And, and uh, I, I was so happy that when, you know, for when I was at Coastline Community College for our kickoff this year that you were there and I was able to hear you speak. And it was definitely uh, one of those uh, uh, events I'm glad that I went to. I almost didn't go, believe it or not. Uh, and I'm glad that I ended up uh, going. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad you did. I'm glad we hooked up. I'm glad we got to do this. And, uh, you know, hats off again to everybody who's listening to this and everyone you work with every day, Tom. Awesome. And uh, maybe someday uh, soon I can have you back? Yeah, it'd be a pleasure. I'd love it. And uh, we'll continue the conversation. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody, thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me again um, at, with my email address. And also uh, we'll have Paul's information um, down in the show notes um, at the end of this and also um, uh, links to his, uh, his page and his books as well. Uh, thank you again, sir, for being here. Thank you, Tom. All right. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Todd DeVoe, the host of EM Weekly's podcast. If you're trying to reach people in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we are bringing in guests from around the world to talk about best practices and trends in emergency management and response. We also have the blog on EM Weekly's website and the EM Quarterly e-magazine. For more information, please email Brian at brian at emweekly.com. EM Weekly is a division of the WEMT Institute. <laughs>